You're not doing... What? I want to hear how you sound in my, in my headphones. Savage love! Why is that song in your head? <laughs> huh? Savage love. Get you next to send it out whatever. <laughs> Welcome back to a special episode of Hot Marriage Cool, cool Parents. <laughs> I'm joined with my co-host, Jamie Hayner. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the one, the only, Henley Grace Hayner, a.k.a. Gracie, a.k.a. Daddy's Girl, a.k.a. My Princess. What is so funny? I don't know. She's looking at us. It's a light. No, it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we have a we have a very special episode today. If anybody's followed our our, our journey and saw that we went to a family made event uh, and and spoke a little bit, um, the moderator, uh, man by the name of Joey Odom, uh, is our guest later on and. Um, his company is Aro. You can find it, and, and we'll speak more to this. But Aro is all about helping families be intentional, helping parents be more intentional. <laughs> and one of the ways is setting up this Aro box. So the the Aro box is a way for families to put away their phones, um, and you set up different times where you're not using your phones during dinner. You have sacred times, whether it's going to be dinner, whether it's going to be watching a movie as a family. Um, it's just families being intentional about staying present, which uh, is is so um, near and dear to our hearts because we try to be more intentional about where we're using technology, how often uh, we want to be more present as parents. And I'm sure that there's a lot of other parents out there that would also like to be. Um, but today, before we get to that, we are going to talk with Henley Grace and we're going to hear how her Christmas was. What about Hendrix? Uh, well, Hendrix is at school, so we're not going to interview him. Um, but we will also find out what Henley's 2024 goals are, what she wants to accomplish in 2024, and then we'll jump into the interview. But first, we are going to read two five-star reviews that we got on the podcast uh, to start off. So we did take two weeks off, so thank you for sticking around. Um, the first one is from um, Lorette One, who writes, I would really enjoy you talking about and recapping the episodes of Married at First Sight. Jamie, I will be praying you have a successful month and has two baby bottles. Thank you, Loretta. Something that we did the last couple episodes was recapping Married at First Sight episodes that are happening now uh, and giving our thoughts. Uh, so next week, Jamie and I will give a recap onto the latest episodes and also cover the last two because um, we were off for two weeks. But I'm going to read the second one here, which is from PR Girl 47 who writes, love this for anyone who maintains a relationship while raising kids. Such a fun show. So thank you, uh, PR Girl 47. And... Now I think it's time to bring on Henley to talk about her Christmas. <laughs> so first, Henley, let's hear what what was what did you get for Christmas? What did you ask for Christmas? Why don't you tell everybody? I asked for a snow cone maker and a Furby. 
And did Santa bring those? Yes. And how many snow? Uh, how many snow cones have we had? A couple now, right? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what about the Furby? Do you do you love the Furby? I love that. Like yeah. it's in the Paw Patrol box. What What else is, has been your favorite gift? Um, those elbow dolls that are so 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 well, I kind of like both. You kind of like both? The L's like 100 and Barbie's 90. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, so the um, the one thing that I asked for was some workout shirts Us. and um, quality time with Henley and Hendrix and Jamie, and I feel like I got that, which is amazing. And Jamie's not here, but... I got her some diamond earrings, which Henley saw. Did you think those were nice? Yeah. They were beautiful, right? And we got her sorry, and we got a like... The game sorry. We also got uh, Henley and like Hendrix. So, a like, very long puzzle that maybe we can never do. A 2,000-piece <laughs> yeah, puzzle. Yeah, 2,000. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. And then uh, I also, because Jamie's really into pickleball now, I also got... Jamie some pickleball lessons, which uh, she's got a package of five. And... Pickleball is starting up, so we're going to be joining a league, which is going to be for the Mixed Doubles League, um, which we're really excited about to uh, finally get involved. So next week, Jamie and I will cover more in detail about our goals for 2024. But since I have Henley here, and because this is such a rare appearance from Henley, I want to know, do you feel like you had a great last year? 100%. No, 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 not 100%. Um, 100,000 million. Yeah, you really like it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, we had a lot of big changes, right? We moved but, from one house to another. But I got sick. Yeah, we got sick for, for got Christmas very, time. I got very, 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 very sick. Yeah, it started out with Hendrix uh, a couple days before Christmas. Uh, had to come home because he was throwing up and had diarrhea. Then it got yeah. passed to Jamie. I had a queasy stomach, but then two days later, Jamie started throwing up. And then Christmas Day, we had a really fun Christmas Day, but then Christmas night, Henley started throwing up. And That's me. Yep. This is the same thing that happened with COVID. My entire family got COVID, but I was the one that didn't get COVID. My entire family got a stomach bug, um, and I was the only one that wasn't. Yeah, it's just a bug in your stomach that makes you throw up. Wait, a real life bug? No, like bacteria. Yeah, no, it's pretty gross. But it it's sometimes passes from... Even Gaga? Did she get it? Yeah, she... Uh, well, no, she she got it uh, last year, last time we saw her. But um, did you miss Gaga and Pop-Pop since we weren't able to see them on Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, but they sent presents, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. So this was the very first year that... They gave us chocolate. They always um give us sweets. Yeah. And that's is so good. They always taste so good. Yeah, so we That's probably good. My uh one of the one of the 
traditions that the Hainers have, and this was me growing up, is my mom and uh, would always get us <laughs> stockings. Everyone would have a stocking, and we would always look forward to stockings because inside were all those gifts that you just put away into a drawer or a shelf, and then you never look at them again. Like, <laughs> um, like a hand-warming uh, or self-heating ice scraper for the window or a flashlight, <laughs> socks, uh, usually underwear, but then there's always a gift card too. So yeah, but, um, so what, what do you want to do for 2024? Um, do you have any new year's resolutions? things that you want to focus on so for me i I want to focus on playing this game like challenge and guess what this challenge is like um two people or one have to carry toys in the shop where there's lots of toys and if they can keep some if they drop one they can't get it and if they keep that one up they can buy it and they can play with it at home do you know what the game's called? And they have to pay by themselves oh. with their mom and dad. Okay. <laughs> they have to pay. All right. So um, what are some things that you want to work on for this year coming up? So for me, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. So I've been working on different Spanish language lessons. I also want to um, make more videos for YouTube. So that's another New Year's resolution for me. And I also want to teach you how to catch a baseball with a glove or softball <laughs> and then hit off the tee. That's something that I really want to do. Softball is also like baseball. Yeah. They're yeah. like the same thing. Yep. It's just that ball is a little bit bigger. That's yeah. all. So those are my resolutions. So that's what I want to accomplish in 2024. So what do you want to accomplish in 2024? Lots of friends in our house. Like, You want to make more friends? Yeah. I want lots of friends. Like all of my friends that we know. And then we want to try to make some yeah. more friends in our in our neighborhood, which you're doing. Yeah. Which is fun. So, yeah. Anything else that you want to do? Do you want to get good grades? Do you want to Kick. learn a new sport or learn something oh, oh, new? Oh, oh, I have 20, on 2024, I really wish I can have no school on 100 days. <laughs> well, that's not really a goal, is it? Yes. No. Yes, that, it is. Because that's not realistic. Yes, it is. Yes. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you, Henley, for uh, for sharing that. Bye. And, <laughs> and Bye. I think now's probably a good time to bring on Joey Odom. Who's Joey Odom? You'll hear it right now. Hmm? <laughs> so today hot marriage cool parents wants to welcome joey odom to the podcast um have you ever wondered how much time you are spending looking at your phone or wondered how many life moments that you missed because you were looking at your phone or on your screen have you ever thought about the impact too much screen time could have on your relationship your family your kids well today's guest joey odom is more than capable of helping us understand just that and so much more. He's a natural storyteller and a dynamic leader known for his ability to inspire and foster deep connections with others. Through his experience with technology as a husband and dad, led him to create Aro alongside co-founder Heath Wilson. Aro leverages the science of habit formation 
and motivational design to ensure parents and kids don't miss out on what's most important by helping them reclaim time spent on their phones with the goal of creating a new generation of intentional families. Thank you so much for being on Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Doug, so good to see you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and the last time we saw each other was at the Family Made uh, event, and I'm so happy that we were able to be on stage together. Um, and, you know, if we actually played some of our clips a few episodes back, um, because that was the very first time that I've ever spoken public with people in front of me about my addiction. Like, that was the first time, like, ever. You know, I revealed it on the podcast. I've spoken, obviously, my family and friends knew, but that was the very first time that I've ever spoken in front of people about that. Um, so it was kind of a special moment. Well, you, that, that was, I, I'll tell you, I, I distinctly remember wiping tears away as you were talking about it, as you and Jamie were talking about it. And what was neat about it for me is in doing that, to me, it just gave others permission to be honest, to be open about the things they're struggling with, because we, we all are, that's the funny thing, Doug, is, is that we all are. And, and the thing that the worst thing we can do is if we hide this thing and think that we're the only ones struggling with it, whatever it is, that we're the only ones struggling, that it becomes this big monster as opposed to just letting, putting it out in the light and seeing it's not a big monster. We're just seeing, it's almost like the old cartoons. It's like the little mouse running around and the light shines on it on the wall. The silhouette looks like this huge thing, but when you really peel back what it is, it's just a tiny little mouse and it's something we can overcome. So I, I, commend you and appreciate your honesty and your openness and your bravery in talking about it because it's giving other people permission to talk about it and knowing when you expose it the world doesn't collapse that's an okay thing to talk about so i yeah that was a very very powerful moment in in that day and uh, appreciate the way you're approaching it and talking about it well i i, I appreciate you saying that and then you know something that connected me when i was doing some research with with aro was, you know, you, you talk about time missed or moments missed. And, you know, when you first get clean, that's all you think about is how many people you hurt, what the impact was, if you're ever going to get past it, all the moments that you missed, all the times that you said, no, I'm not going out. I'm not hanging out with friends. I'm not going to go to this place, you know. And, you know, now as a parent, I want to be present for every single moment that happens um, and just enjoy life. And which kind of brings me to just maybe, maybe give us a little background on you and how you came to RO and, and, and everything else. Yeah. I, I'll start with, with a story from about 10 years ago. So my son Harrison, who's now 15, when he was five years old, he was playing his very first soccer season. And this is Harrison is still to this day. He's just the greatest kid, the sweetest kid. And he was not at five years old, the best soccer player on the team. In fact, everybody on the team had scored a goal except for Harrison. But yet every Saturday, as parents do, my wife and I, we'd take the lawn chairs out. We'd go on the sidelines and we'd watch his soccer game. And in some ways, like a lot of parenting does, it became very routineal, maybe, maybe monotonous even to go out there. But this one particular Saturday, everything changed. So we're watching his game and you almost imagine this moment, Doug, it's almost like, like a movie. I, I think back on this, this, this memory almost in slow motion and, you know, kind of cue the cinematic music, the, 
the dramatic violins and cello, you know, string up in the background and Harrison rares back his leg. He kicks the ball, goes end over end. It's almost like in slow motion. It goes in the back of the net. Harrison scores his very first goal. And it was just this amazing moment. And everybody noticed the crowd goes wild. His, his coach goes out, picks him up. And, and what does a five-year-old boy do? when he scores his first soccer goal. Of course, he looks over to me. And so this magical yeah. moment of <laughs> eye contact, of us locking eyes and him seeing the smile on my face and knowing dad's proud of me. It's, it, it's a great moment, except I missed it. I didn't see any of what I just described. It happened, but I didn't see it because I was looking down at my phone. And in fact, I, I think I still have bruises on my ribs from that day from my wife elbowing me and telling me that I had missed Harrison's first soccer goal. So it was that moment when I realized something was wrong that, and I had had other moments like that. And frankly, I had, I've had plenty of moments since then where something was wrong. And, and there was this relationship with this little square piece of technology in my pocket that was so irresistible that it was pulling me away from all the things that I would claim were most important to me. And yeah. so something was wrong and it was that moment that I look back on again and again and again. And I have others. And by the way, here's what I found is everybody has these stories. This is my story, but everybody has those stories. And I encourage even people listening, think about what your, what your stories are. It could be as subtle as, as your kids saying, daddy, watch me, mommy, watch me. Those moments the kids are having it all the time. How about when our kids, this happens, I was talking about it with my brother this morning, when your child literally will grab your face and point it to you. Look at me. Look at me. It's so important to a child to see, to know that mom and dad are watching them. So that was the beginning of it. And we can, I can go into more how it, how it evolved, but that was the beginning where I knew something was wrong. And I've learned throughout the years that it wasn't just wrong with me, but it was wrong with just about everyone around us. And it's all related to this relationship that we have with our devices. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's almost like a gift and a curse. I mean, it, you know, you think of uh, a smartphone being able to do anything. Um, one of your tweets uh, or X's or whatever you call it nowadays um, that kind of really hit home for me was, and maybe you can expand on this, um, which you kind of touched on, but when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you. I just felt like that, that really just touched me that statement um, that is that is the center and and by the way if if you got to run that's the idea that that people have to that people need to cling to so if even if you stop the podcast now which i hope you don't but even if you did that's the idea that i want everybody to walk away with is when you change your relationship with your phone you change your relationship with everyone around you including yourself so i think it's important in that in saying that well let's let's define what is the relationship we have with our phones? And by the way, there's a lot with technology. There's a lot with social media. There's a lot wrong. There are, there are, there's cyberbullying and there are child predators and there's pornography and there's you know thing after thing after thing, comparison trap on social media. Those are things that, that other people who are very smart are dealing with. At RO, that's not our target. Our target is exactly what we said. What's the relationship we have with our phone? Because that will determine everything else that flows from your life. So what is the relationship right now with our phone? At its core, the relationship with our phone is that very simply, we have it with us all the time, period. So 91% 
of Americans, of actually of all cell phone users, have their phones with them 24 hours a day. We don't have to move our feet to reach our phones. Now, why is that a problem? First, it, this is not a terrible thing. And maybe as a, as, a, as a caveat here for everyone, there's no shame. There's no guilt. We're not anti-tech. We love tech. This, it's, it does wonderful things in our lives. But when this thing is with us all the time, we are, it's so compelling that it's always beckoning to us. And even the presence, this is from Dr. Maxie Heitmeyer at the London School of Economics, says that the only way to, the only way to reduce your screen time is for it to be out of your visual field of sight and physically away from your body. Because the mere presence of your phone, even if the screen's off, equates to usage of your phone, which sounds a little bit odd, but, but here's why is when your phone is there, it's constantly calling out to you. You're interacting with it. You hear a buzz mm -hmm. and then you think, oh, what is that thing? It's, you know, Schrodinger's cat. Like what's behind the curtain here? Something is, something is yeah. behind the curtain here. There's a buzz and I need to check that. So if you and I were out, you know, having coffee, Doug, and my phone buzzed, or even if I would want to know what it was, and I'd feel this need to check it. And even if, and this, is, this, is, this was one of the more enlightening things that I've learned is even when you silence your notifications, if you read any article out there that says, oh, here's how to reduce your phone usage, it's always silence your notification or, or turn off notifications. The problem with that, and that's not a bad practice, is that 89% of our phone usage is self-initiated. So the notifications and the buzzes and everything, that's only about 11% of our phone usage. So we can reduce it wow. some, but it's only 11%. So that's not a silver bullet. So, and what happens is, and this is really, really interesting, when your notifications are off, you actually check your phone more, which is weird, yeah. but it makes sense because you're constantly thinking, well, what could have happened? And so you're constantly checking it more and more and more. So the core relationship with our phone is, is with us all of the time. The thing where it gets even more detrimental is it's becoming more and more commonplace. It's very commonplace and frankly, kind of accepted that in the middle of a conversation, it's okay to look at your phone. Someone's opening up to you and you're looking, you look at your phone. I don't have to tell you the catastrophic effects to that. That alone, I believe, and I believe right now as, as a society, we're in the middle of an intimacy crisis. I think we are at a crisis sure. when it comes to intimacy. And that right there is the main perpetrator. Is if, I mean, it's like looking at your watch in the middle of a conversation. In the middle of a conversation. And what yeah. if, so imagine, you know, you and Jamie, you know, that, that probably, that's not good for your, you know, that's not good in, in the context of a relationship. But imagine it with our young kids. Imagine what that feels like. My 13 year old daughter, if she were talking to me and opening up, which is very, I mean, we all know it's, it's darn near impossible to be a teenage girl right now <laughs> in America. It's very, very yeah. difficult. And so if she actually, had the vulnerability and openness to kind of open up and share with me. Just imagine what happens. Let's say a two hour conversation, a two second glance at my phone can kill that entire moment because what it communicates to her is that something else is more important than what she's saying. And so it kills not only that conversation, not only her intimacy in that moment, but her willing to be open and intimate with me later. And by the way, obviously we're using the term intimate and just the word closeness, no, right. you know, no other connotations other than, other than just closeness, but that will kill intimacy in that moment. And it'll kill her vulnerability and intimacy in the future. Cause she knows that hurt when dad did that. So I'm not going to do that again. 
And so the the relationship with our phone is absolutely torpedoing our intimacy, our relationship. That's just that's that's parent to child, also you know spouse to spouse. It is destroying it right now, but it's because of the relationship that we have formed over the last fifteen years with the iPhone. Yeah, I mean the so the the part that that hit me, um, you know, being a parent was, you know, one of the most one of the times where I get frustrated is when. I'm calling to my kids and I have to call their name five, six, seven times while they're watching TV or on the tablet to the point where I'll have to like put my face in front of their face. So they're not, so they could just make eye contact with me. Now this made me feel extremely guilty because I was like right then and there, I was thinking of the times where my daughter was calling for me and I'm in the middle of a text or on the middle there. And you know, the the point that got me was her having to take her hand and put it over the screen of my phone, you know, and it, you know, it's, you want to set boundaries as parents and, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it's, it's somewhat difficult, uh, or I should say challenging when your, your work is on your phone, you know, like as a, as an influencer, you know, and, and things like that was, a, so we, Jamie and I try to create boundaries where it's just like, okay, mommy's working or daddy's working and because we have to be on our phones and that's, that's where, you know, the business part is. So we try to take turns, but I, I, I realize like, you know, where does she get that lack of, uh, you know, just awareness of, you know, by me calling her name five times and just not hearing me, I realized that I was doing the same exact thing to her. Um, you know, and it was just something that really just, you know, it, it, it took me back and I was ta- telling, uh, telling Jamie about it too. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, you know, y- you don't realize how much your kids model after you, uh, and you want to teach good, healthy technology habits because technology isn't going anywhere. You know, it's only getting better. The access is getting easier, um, you know, schools are starting to use tablets and, and computers and things. So you want your kids to use it uh, and learn how to use it. Um, but, you know, I, I just that, yeah, that was that made me feel like a, a guilty parent. Well, but but here's where and in this whole message, by the way, for anybody listening, this is this is all a message of hope. I and mean, we, we have to understand what's at stake. We have to understand what the problem is to understand how hopeful this message is. And the mere fact that you have equ- her doing that to you doing that, that's an enormous win because a lot of people, a lot of people go through and they all, they only view it at, gosh, my kids need this boy. My spouse could use this. And they never look internally. And those are the people are launched about a year ago. And those are the people who are, who have joined this movement to say, no, I'm, I'm the problem. And if I can model it well, then the rest of my family can, the, you know, the rest of my family, everybody around me, it'll just begin. You know, it's almost like when you look at the phone statistics, say when you pick up your phone in a group, I think it's like 60%, you're 60% more likely to look at your phone if you're in that group. So if someone does it, it's a yawn effect. You do it, then everybody else does it. I believe the same exact phenomenon can happen when we put down our phones, physically put our phones away, that other people will see that and they'll do something. And what you have just described is really, we call this the three M's. What you just described is we model 
That's the first M. We model this behavior with our phone that our kids are talking to when we look at it or we, and some of it certainly is legitimate, but sometimes we'll rationalize this, this idea that, oh no, daddy's working. When nah, I was on ESPN when that happened or I was responding to a group text or whatever it was, it doesn't have to be nefarious, right, but right. we begin to rationalize those things. So one, we model this bad behavior with our phone and then we have, we have this crazy thing that we do is we give our kids devices and then they mimic exactly what we've modeled. So that's the second M. Our kids will mimic what we've modeled. And the craziest one is the third one is then when they mimic what we model, we have the audacity to become mad at them. That's the third M. We get mad at our kids just for mimicking exactly what we, what we have modeled to them. Okay. And if you want to throw a fourth M on it, it's we then miss the moments. We miss all these moments because of what we're doing there. So the fact that you've recognized that it begins with you and especially, cause remind me how old your kids are. So my daughter is six, six my, my son is three. three. See, this is, you're, you are in such a prime time. What you've just described is the typical RO family is a parent who recognized the problem in themselves and recognized the opportunity to model it well for their kids while they're young. So when their kids get a phone someday, they'll know how to manage that phone. They'll know, they'll know what a proper relationship looks like because at this age also, Doug, it's just, they're so, our kids are so good. They're just little, they're just little walking, you know, bits of truth and they're just truth yeah. serums walking around and they'll tell and, us. And sponges that, that pick, pick up everything. everything. Absolutely. They'll just tell us, Hey daddy, put down your phone. And yeah, you know yeah. why, you know why they do that when they're that young? It's a couple things. One of them. And, and by the way, if anybody's listening, who has heard that before, daddy, put down your phone, mommy, put down your phone savor that because that's a wonderful thing because what it says is your kids one think they are valuable enough to deserve you to look at them and the second thing is they like you they want you to look at them that's a really good thing and they've not yet been conditioned to believe that our phones are more important than they are but as they get older that wears away that feeling. And all of a sudden we've just conditioned them to believe that our phone's a priority and they're the distraction. And I don't think anybody listening here wants that, but our actions are speaking much more loud than our intentions. And we have an opportunity to change that. Yeah. And you know, with, with the holidays coming up, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there now that are getting their kids phones. Um, you know, what are, what, what are some ways where parents can really, I guess, teach healthy technology habits, um, you know, and, and, you know, when you introduce a phone to somebody, I don't know if that's um, something that you're familiar with, but, you know, I've, you know, it's, I don't know when Henley will get a phone. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to wait as long as possible. I mean, she uses mommy and daddy's phone just as well as we do, but um, you know, any advice for parents out there that are getting their kids a phone? Absolutely. One, I, I want to caution against as you're if you've if you've given your child a phone as a gift, I want to make sure that the the, the child still understands that it's still the parent's phone. It's your phone, parents, and so you have full access to look at stuff on there. Put restrictions on a gift. Giving it as a gift can get a little complicated sometimes because it a gift typically implies there are no strings attached. But with the phone, there are strings attached. And, and the greater gift that you can give your child, the greatest gift when you do that is you can give them a gift of you being hyper vigilant and being aware of their phone usage. So that's one. When you give your child a phone, that's one. Just just make sure they understand that. And there are great resources. There's a, a group called Screen Sanity that we love. They do a really, really good job of talking about 
these uh, the best practices around that. The the one again, this is where we we have this firm belief that the foundational idea needs to be a relationship with your phone. So one of those for parents is finding sacred times and sacred places within your home. So a, a given example of each, a sacred time would be a family meal. Anytime you're, anytime there's a family meal, there's that's a sacred time where everybody's phone, yours included, you, none of this will stick unless you're modeling it well as a parent, but everybody puts their phone down. We have the RO box, so you can put it in, but if you can just put it in a drawer, make sure that's a rhythm that everybody buys into. That's a sacred time. A sacred place could be, and this may sound a little bit counterintuitive, that could be when the TV's on. Again, I know that sounds silly, but there's a there's a huge difference between four people sitting on a couch, each looking at an individual screen, having an individual experience versus everybody sitting and watching one thing. So my kids who are 15 and 13, we watched The Office about a year. I think we finished up about a year ago, and this was probably a year of watching TV together which again, sounds funny where we're looking at screens, but what it did was it created this common experience with us. We still do jokes together. We have this common thing that we all had and it was great. I've, I've read my journal the other day. We just finished up a year ago the other day and what a great experience that we had. And then this is, you know, these are just a few things, but the other thing, and this is absolutely huge for parents is, it's going to sound crazy and it's not too late by the way parents have already gone past this no phones in their rooms period especially 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 overnight kids are absolutely sleep deprived in america right now all across the world and we and we know we know that the most this is a little bit of an odd turn but the most effective form of torture over thousands of years of torture is sleep deprivation. That's the most powerful thing that that's the, that's the, the, that's the, you know, no fail. You can do all this other stuff, but deprive somebody of sleep. That's the worst possible thing you can do to them. And our kids imagine, Doug, imagine if you and I, if we would have had unfettered access to the internet at 15 years old, I would have never slept. Zero, okay. zero sleep ever. I think, I about, think about me now. now. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, I, fall I fall asleep watching, watching a, show. a show on my phone. I mean, yeah. I mean most of the time. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. So we got to get it out of kids' rooms while they're sleeping. My kids, they, they still, again, 15 year old, my 15 year old son. Hey dad, can I, can I listen to music while I'm upstairs studying? Yeah. He asks every time. So we'll say, yeah, but it is, he knows that it's always the exception. It's not the rule that does, that will do wonders for kids, emotional balance, their physical development, their spiritual development, their homework, everything about that will begin and end with sleep. So if, if those, those are the three things I would say just to begin is model it well, find sacred time, sacred places, and um, make sure it's not in the rooms overnight when they're sleeping. Sure. Sure. And, and um, just, just, I don't know, I don't if, know if we covered it yet, yet but um, maybe, if maybe if you can explain, explain the RO, RO experience, um, you know, you know what, what it is. Uh, I want to talk about the app too, because I'm sure you're, yeah. you're getting a ton of quality data uh, back. So I have a couple questions about that, but just to fill people in about what, what we're talking about when you say the RO. Yeah, no. So appreciate the question. RO is, RO is a platform built and designed to make it easy for people to put their phones away. So it is a, it's a physical place where you drop your phone. When you put your phone, it's, there's the RO box. It's a beautiful home decor piece. 
it was wife designed, wife approved. So don't worry, fellas, you can bring it in. And by the way, we related to that. People will say, why couldn't I just put my my phone in a shoebox? Hey, good luck to you. My wife will let a shoebox stay on the counter for about 22 minutes and then it's gone. So you're not going to display it. And so you're not going to have a shoebox out. So it is a, this physical thing and the physicality is important. This is all based around the science of habit formation and why we, we can go into why we say habit, not addiction when it comes to our phone. But this is all around the science of habit formation. The habit loop is a cue that leads to a routine that crescendos in a reward. So the cue, the visual cue is so important because when you see the RO box, this is our members telling us, the members of RO tell us this. It to them is a physical representation of who they want to be, who they aspire to be. And when we all know this, when you identify yourself as being a thing, hey, we are the Odom family. We are a present family. I am a present and intentional father. Just me saying that, I become more like that person that I say I am. Whether I'm really a present or intentional father yet, all of a sudden, if I say I am, I'll start doing the things that a present and intentional father will do. So this visual cue is so critical for to begin this habit loop to initiate it so someone sees it and says oh yeah that's the that's where i put my phone which leads to the routine and by the way the app itself the app is sending you reminders too and it's around dinner time it'll send you a reminder hey why don't you spend a little dinner time alone or maybe it'll send you a reminder about reading and we're, we're going to into a state with the app where we'll kind of customize what your goals are on the other side of being away from your phone. It's not about being, no one cares. There's nothing inspirational about being away from your phone, but there is something inspirational about what happens on the other side of it. Right. Right. So again, all begins with the cue through the app and the hardware, which leads to the routine, the physical act of putting down your phone, which is so powerful. And when it does that, when you put your phone down, it the, the box automatically connects to the app. And this is the real beauty of it it begins to tr- connect to the app and it begins to quantify the time that you're away from your phone. And that's wow. huge. We get our screen time. Huge. We get our screen time report on Sundays that says how much time we've been on our phone. And that's a negative instead of seeing, wait, I was just, I mean, this morning I had a, I had a, a 37 minute morning routine where I read my Bible, I journal and I uh, do a, a language lesson on Duolingo on my, on my laptop. So that's my, that's my focused morning routine. And it's fun to see the accumulation of that time over time to know, wait, I'm, I'm give, making a deposit in myself every single morning. So it's the tagging that, that quanti- quantifying the time is so important within the routine. And I'll go back real quick to the physical act of putting down your phone, especially in a relationship situation. When you're, when you physically put down your phone, it's a trigger to yourself that says that you're present in the moment. But even more than that, it's a signal to everybody around you. Especially this is what we tell people, like if my daughter wants to talk to me, the first thing I'll say is yes, but let me put my phone away first. And the reason I do that is because I'm telling her physically that while there are 8 billion people on on the earth who could theoretically reach me on my phone, when I put it away, you're more important than every single one of them. And what does that do for a child's sense of foundational value? Yeah, yeah. The third thing in the habit loop goes to the reward. The reward is what you've done on the other side of your phone, but within the RO app, you're getting these pats on the back. You're achieving a time goal. You're kind of moving down a path towards your intentions. And so the app and the hardware, it's all kind of one. So this is a membership that people join. You join the, uh, you join RO and you get the app access and you get the box. And so when you do that, this is the most, by the way, this is the only, and this is a shocking statement, 
This is the only screen time solution designed for the entire family. It's not just for parents. It's not just for kids. It's not for individuals. It's for, it's designed exclusively for the entire family. So that's a very, very powerful thing. And RO is we get stories every, every week, Doug. And I'm, this is not hyperbole of people saying this has changed my life. There's a, yeah, there's yeah. a woman named Callie who runs a, a, an Instagram account and a YouTube channel called, but first coffee. She has over a million followers she did a 15 minute review on us the other day. We didn't know it was coming. We got a little nervous at first to see that a review we didn't know about was coming, but the line that stuck out to me most, she said, this silly little box has changed my life. And it's, it's, that's an amazing feeling. And that's our goal. People can do this on their own. Please do. But yeah. for us, we want this to be something that is a, an aid to help you for those who need it, for those who recognize they need it. It's almost like exercise we all know we can burn calories for free. We can sure. build muscle for free. You can do that in your neighborhood, but most of us belong to gyms because we recognize that we need help removing the friction of doing something difficult, but valuable. And ours is the exact same thing. If prioritizing that family time, you need some help away from your screens. It's the most effective solution on the market. Yeah. I mean, I, I just even think about, you know, it, when, whenever you start to track things, um, you know, and, and even while you were mentioning the app and everything, it was, you know, it's almost an accomplishment at that point when you start to see how much time you're, you're saving uh, because you start to realize, you know, that you, you are being more intentional with being present and being with your family. I can't tell you how many times, you know, my wife and I are in bed at night after the kids are away after, you know, I clean up the kitchen and everything else. And then we lay in bed and we're both looking at our phone, um, you know, and I, you know, it's not every night, but you know, there it's, it is, you know, I've, I've, I've really been conscious of this saying, can we be present together, you know, and, and let's, let's put it now. There's a difference between actually taking your phone and putting it away uh, because I, I think sometimes people would get the feeling you know, like you lost your phone or what's happening on my phone right now if I don't have it with me. Um, I think, you know, being intentional and putting it into a box or wherever you put it, that is your choice. So it's not like you're missing something. It's your choice putting it somewhere. And I think it's just so powerful um, on, on the effect it could have within a family dynamic and, and your relationship. And I think it's just a, a I mean, it's a, it's a good habit to get to, to, to try to develop. Well, and it's interesting, you, what you said is very, very true. The, the, the number one feeling that people describe when they get that pop-up on their app that shows how much time they've been away from their phone. We've done this through beta testing, all the testing there's one prominent feeling that comes across from people. And that feeling is pride. People yeah. say, I'm so proud of myself for spending time away from my phone, which is a little bit silly that that's, that's the thing that evokes pride. So silly silly silly. Out, but, yeah, but, but it's, but you've made an investment you, you have. And again, it's not the fact that you've been away from your phone. It's the fact that you've done something else. I mean, we're, we're in there studies that show Gloria Mark at UC Berkeley, um, UC Irvine, excuse me, she has a study that says that it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to refocus after you've been distracted. Huh. So if we have our phones with us all the time, we're never at a point where we can, where we can actually fully focus. We're kind of continuous partial distraction, continuous partial attention, excuse me, when we're looking at our phones. And so when you put your phone away, what will happen about that 23 minute mark, you're really getting in a flow state where you're really connecting with somebody and you're much less likely to pick up your phone once you hit that moment. The other thing with this is you talk about the impact it has on your family. 
we're always looking for, all of us are always looking for levers in life. A lever is something that you use that has an outsized impact relative to your effort, right? So this alone in your marriage will have the greatest effect relative to effort, the most outside of most outsized effect simply by putting your phone down. Imagine if you're on a date night with your wife and you sit down and you say, honey, could you hold this for me at dinner? I bet you're getting lucky that night. Yeah. I, I, I bet you, I bet you're going to get lucky just by signaling to her. I don't care what's there. You're the most important thing right now. So this is a lever for life. Some people may call it a life hack, a lever for life that will have the greatest outsized impact relative to the effort you have to put into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm even thinking about just the, my, my kids development. Um, you know, one, once computers and I'm, I don't know how old you are. I'm 41. Um, I thought, I, th- you know, I thought I turned forty last year, but it was forty-one. Um, but I was, you know, a lot of my friends that have younger brothers, like once, once the instant messenger started to come out on computers, uh, once uh, auto spell started to be available everywhere, you started to like. I grew up in a generation where we were riding our bikes everywhere in our developments, riding our bikes. We were playing in the woods. We were playing. Uh, wiffle ball and and hockey in the street and you know like that was just our life and you don't necessarily see that much anymore and something that a lot of my friends younger brothers you you started to notice that the the verbal communication skills the spelling skills the eye contact the human interaction and being able to you know say I'd like to meet that person one-on-one or, you know, you can go up to somebody and have a conversation. I feel like, you know, and I don't want to stereotype a, the generation now, obviously, but you, you do lose that ability to connect with somebody right away. Um, you know, there's there, I have friends who's um, who are just more comfortable speaking to people through text or through uh, a chat than they are in person uh, or even on the phone. You know, I, I, I used to have phone conversations for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you know, but now it's now the conversations over a text, you know, you lose a lot of the human interaction, which, uh, you know, which is some of the downside that I see with holding on to technology for too long. And, and again, I, I think we're saying the exact same thing here. We're not demonizing our phones add so no. much to us, it, but, and again, for people listening, it, I don't, one of the big cautions I would throw to somebody here is it's easy to hear this and say, Oh, that's just how the world is now. Oh, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you know, making it sound like it was, everything was great in the nineties. There were, there were plenty of difficulties, right? There were plenty as a parent, I think about my parents, you know, when I was five years old in 1985, they still had, even without phones, it was still hard to be a good parent, but now holding this phone while you're trying to be a good parent makes it almost impossible, which is why we have to to get rid of that. So I didn't, I didn't incur. That's why we have to set, set aside the sacred time, sacred places. And this is where I would really fight it for people who feel that sense of resignation for the people who say, Oh, this is just how it is. This is just how kids are these days. I, I just want to tell you the world can look different. I just, I want to tell you we're 15 years, 15, 16 years into the iPhone. We've learned a behavior that we can change, that we can harness. It's good. And then we can get rid of some of the bad. So if you're feeling the resignation or even hopelessness, I'm telling you, there are thousands of people that we have spoken to 
who said my life has totally changed. I didn't think this world, I didn't think this world was possible. So fight that resignation, fight that apathy and cling to hope. Things can look different. Our goal, you said in the introduction about us, our goal, our vision, our mission for the company is to create an entire generation of intentional families. And we know that's possible because we've spoken with thousands of them. And we know that thousands can become hundreds of thousands and become millions. And anybody listening can be part of that movement to create an entire generation of intentional families. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just happy to say that I, I do want to be part of that uh, generation, um, you know, and, and I really appreciate the time that you gave. Uh, I think your, your mission is incredible. Uh, I think it's necessary. Uh, it does give families hope. It does give relationship hope. It does, you know, teach healthy technology habits. We know technology, technology isn't going anywhere, but there is a healthy way of utilizing it. And we can't lose that human connection, uh, especially with families. You know, the, the intimacy that is lacking can, can be brought back. And sometimes it could be something as easy as just less screen time. Um, I love the, the, the sacred times and the sacred places. You know, I, I think Jamie and I are going to implement that immediately. Um, she's, uh, she says hello, by the way. She couldn't be here. Uh, my son had a stomach bug. Um, so he's home. Yeah. So, but, um, but no, I, I really appreciate everything and, and, and yeah. Um, where can people find RO and, and where can people, uh, subscribe? No, I appreciate it. Yeah. People can go to goro.com to G O A R O.com. Uh, they can follow us on Instagram at, at goro now. And our podcast is the RO podcast. We're going to have you and Jamie on here uh, in January. That's and right. we're excited about that. Yeah, so it'll pumped. be a fun time. So um, those are the three ways I'd, I'd, we'd love for you to connect with us is goro.com, at goro now on Instagram, and the RO podcast, wherever you listen. Perfect. And I'll, uh, I'll make sure to put all of that information in the, in the description and, and we'll be sharing a video of this too. But, uh, Joey, thank you for being on and happy holidays and, and everything else. We'll, we'll talk to you next year. Doug, appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. All right, man. So what a great storyteller. What a great product. Uh, gotta say that, uh, we are, Jamie and I are going to become part of the RO family. Um, we need this product in our house. If you feel like you're spending too much time, even if you don't have kids, this is also a great way to spend some time and be present with your significant other or whoever's in your house. Um, Jamie and I, you know, the, not like it got to the point where it was a breaking point, but we did find ourselves sometimes just laying in bed at night, each on our phones, not talking to each other, just each doing our own thing, which creates a ton of distance. Um, and it, you know, at that point you're just like roommates and we didn't want that to happen. So, um, I hope that you check out, um, Aro, uh, I'll leave the links and, uh, I'll also leave, uh, different links to, uh, find Joey Odom, um, and, uh, goaro.com. but hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next week. Jamie and I'll be on. We have a, another fantastic guest, um, that's going to help out parents, especially, uh, for any parents that may have kids that are just not sleeping. Um, so we're going to tackle the sleeping issue next week, but hope you have a great rest of the day. Hope you had a great end of the year. Hope you had a happy and safe holiday and happy and safe new year. And we will see you next week. We love you and goodbye.